0: what does it mean to forgive uh to uh, forgive means to just completely overlook what went wrong forgiveness is uh accepting a person for uh what they've done just forget what they did and and not hold it against them give them another chance look at them with new eyes give them the benefit of the doubt not take a grudge out on somebody anymore just let go of all you know your grudges you have against a person. Instead of choosing to hate that person, to love them despite spite of what they did. Do you believe yourself to be a forgiving person? Um, yeah, I think I'm a pretty forgiving person overall. It's difficult for me to forgive them at first. It may take a while. I find myself uh, forgiving people, but finding a hard time forgetting. I've gotten mad at a lot of things before, but I find that uh, with time, I always forgive people. Do you think it's difficult to forgive certain people? I think it can be. Can you think of anybody that you're not willing to forgive? Um, Yes, Um, some friends who who I trusted personally and um, took that trust and used it the wrong way. My father and I have had several problems in the past and because he continues to not acknowledge that he's done me wrong, that's one reason, that's pretty much the only reason I can't forgive him. Do you believe that God is a forgiving God? um that's debatable different religions have different ideas i wouldn't say wholeheartedly but uh to a certain extent i think so do you believe that god is a forgiving god oh yeah i wouldn't believe in a god that wasn't otherwise he'll always give someone another chance there's no way we could ever be perfect for him so yeah he'd have to be forgiving in order to accept us as his children what do you think it takes to be forgiven by god well, that's everyone would say something different. I think that's between you and God. It depends what religion you are. Some people would say just to, to pray. Maybe go to your church or your mosque or your um, synagogue or whatever. What does it take to be forgiven by God? Um, a heartfelt apology. Maybe say like a verse from uh, your holy book, like that, along those lines. How do you think you can be forgiven by God? You realize that things can be better despite something that you may have done wrong and you just find the strength to move on. Really, truly wanting to be forgiven and asking for forgiveness. If you do something wrong, just make it up to the person. Do you think it's necessary to be forgiven by God? In order to uh, um, uh, go on, I guess, and forgive yourself, you, you would have to know that God had forgiven you and,
1: you know, to kind of take
0: that weight off your shoulders. Do you think it's necessary to be forgiven by God? Yeah, yeah, it depends. Like, if it was like a major, like, not a major, but like if it was a sin, then sure, you might have to go to that level. But if it was something minor, um, then you can do it between your friends and stuff like that. What does it take to be forgiven by God? Um, it takes the blood of Jesus, that's all. I mean, there's nothing we can do but invite Him in our lives. That's basically it. And just, just submit to Him. She gets it. (laughs) The last gal got it, didn't she? That's great. Well, good morning, LifePoint. It's good to be back with you again today. Uh, What a beautiful day to drive over from uh, God's country in East Tennessee. Got lost in the mountains three times and loved every single minute of it. When I pulled up to the theater this morning, I thought, man, Donnie's really really get, kind of going overboard, you know, welcoming me and everything, because I looked up on the screen, or on the marquee, it said, failure to launch. I thought he was maybe advertising my sermon, so I thought, "Who, man, what a guy. iTunes, I forgive. One of God's most intriguing designs in the crown jewel of his creation, which, by the way, in case you're wondering, you and I, I know it's kind of hard to believe, you and I are the crown jewel of God's creation. And one of the most intriguing designs is that he has given us the power to remember the past, and he leaves us with no power to undo it. Some people have called that one of God's better jokes on us. We all at one time or another have been willing to trade virtually anything we own for a magic rag that we could use to wipe clean the past, wipe away the life record that follows us. But whatever the mind can make of the future... It cannot silent a single syllable of the past. In other words, there's no delete key for reality. It would give us a lot of comfort if only we could forget a past that we cannot change. But the wonderful ability to remember becomes the insidious inability to forget when our memory is clogged with pain. Pain inflicted upon us by people who have wronged us and pain that we inflict upon ourselves. If we could only forget selectively the cruel moments in our life, then we could move on with life and we'd be free of pain and we'd be free of any emotional paralysis. The only remedy, my friends, for this condition The only remedy is forgiveness. Now, this remedy has existed for as long as one human has inflicted pain on another. And yet people still punish themselves with the pain of the past, don't we? Or maybe we punish others by trying to get revenge. And why do we do this? All because... We want to make use of one means to recover from hurts and to re- be restored from brokenness and to have our joy restored, renewed. So why do people like us surrender our tomorrows to the unfair pain of our yesterdays? Well, the answer may be buried in our pride or it may be buried in our fear of feeling, or appearing weak, or in our raw competitive passion to get even. But it's also buried in a tangled web of misunderstanding about forgiveness itself. God has placed us in community. And to keep the community healthy and fruitful, there are some commitments that we must faithfully honor. Commitments to be encouraging to one another and to be devoted to one another and to be forgiving toward one another. So this weekend, I forgive. To properly understand the forgiveness of God, we must be forgiving. A truly biblical community of faith is comprised of people who are best known for being forgiving. Before your head hits the pillow tonight, write down this particular passage and read over it, reflect on it for a moment. Ephesians chapter 4, verses 22 to 32. Ephesians chapter 4, verses 22 to 32. Why should I be forgiving? Well, first of all, because God has forgiven me. I'll never have to forgive anyone more than God has forgiven me. If you're having a hard time forgiving, then there's a very good chance that you don't feel forgiven. And the more and more that people in this fellowship come to realize and accept forgiveness, then the healthier this church will become as time goes along. Forgiven people are forgiving. Number two, I must be forgiving because, frankly, resentment doesn't work. Resentment may feel good to you at the moment, but if you think about it, it's so illogical, it's unreasonable, and it's very unhealthy. Job chapter 5 verse 2, to worry yourself to death with resentment is a foolish and senseless thing to do. Resentment cannot change the past. It can only make you behave stupidly in the present. That's all resentment can do. Face it. We can't change the past. We can't control the present. And we can't change the other person. It's been said that resentment is the equivalent of psychological suicide. Bitterness is the number one drain... On a person's psyche. The physical consequences of bitterness alone are enormous. After all, it's not so much what you eat, but it's what's eating you that determines the degree of happiness that you have in your life. Number three, I must be forgiving because I'll need forgiveness in the future. Matthew chapter 11 verse 25 And when you stand praying, if you hold anything against anyone, forgive him so that your Father in heaven may forgive your sins. Resentment blocks God's forgiveness in our lives. The best known prayer in the world has got to be the classic Lord's Prayer. It's found in Matthew chapter 6, verses 9 through 13. But I would encourage you, to note the clarifier that comes right after that Lord's Prayer there in Matthew, chapter 6, beginning with verse 14. After the Lord's Prayer is taught to us, it says, "'For if you forgive people when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive people their sins,' Your Father will not forgive your sins. Ladies and gentlemen, the most dangerous prayer we could ever pray in the world is the Lord's Prayer. Father, forgive my sins as I have forgiven the sins of others. Uh Uh-oh, I'm in deep weeds. I wonder if God really has been paying attention lately. It's the most dangerous prayer in the world. If I refuse to forgive you, I will be burning a bridge that someday I'm going to need to cross. Forgiveness, you see, is a two-way street. It involves you and God, not just you and the other person. John Wesley once replied to a member of his church who came up to him and said, Pastor Wesley, I cannot forgive. And John Wesley replied, Well then, I sure hope that you never sin again. So how do we get over a hurt in our life? How do we become forgiving? Well, the first key to that is to surrender the right to get even. Don't retaliate. We've been wronged. We've been swindled, slandered, abused, lied to, cheated, demeaned. We want to get him back so that at least the he will feel some of the pain that he's caused to me. We don't want to get some flipped little cheap apology sent in our direction like a inexpensive tip in a restaurant. We want the satisfaction. No... We deserve the satisfaction of watching him turn and burn on the rotisserie of his own remorse, don't we? And so here's the question. We hold the right of vengeance in our hands. We hold that. What we must do is to take a look at that right that we hold in our hands and let it spill to the ground like water, never to be recovered again. When we strive to be Christian, we give up vengeance, but not justice. There is a distinction. There is a fine line between vengeance and justice. Vengeance is our own pleasure of seeing someone who hurt us, getting it back, and then some. Justice, on the other hand, is secured when someone pays the fair penalty for wronging another. Vengeance is personal satisfaction. It's not biblical, it's counterproductive, and frankly, it's wrong. Justice is moral accounting. It's biblical, it's purposeful, and it's right. Forgiveness surrenders the right of vengeance— but never the claims of justice. Did you catch that? Forgiveness surrenders the right of vengeance, but never surrenders the claims of justice. Some of you are old enough to remember the assassination attempt on Pope John Paul II in Vatican Square. And Pope John Paul publicly forgave the man who sought to take his life. And here's what John Paul said. You've forgiven your heart in the sight of God, but the criminal must still serve his time in Caesar's jail. You see, we sometimes get very close to justice, but we could never bring closure to vengeance. Bitterness can never be satisfied. When I'm on the receiving end, the pain you cause me always feels worse to me than the pain I caused you. Am I right? And when I'm on the giving end, the pain I cause you never seems as bad to me as the pain you caused to me. No wonder family feuds go into the third and fourth and fifth generation. Vengeance, retaliation by nature will not, cannot bring resolution. Resentment is always a boomerang. Number two, deal with the situation immediately. Look at Ephesians 4.26. Don't sin by nursing a grudge and don't let the sun go down with you still angry. Get over it quickly. You see, when I hold on to anger, it always morphs into resentment. A held hurt becomes hate. And when you've been hurt, you have four basic options available to you. Number one, you can nurse it. That's called a pity party. And we love to invite everybody to our pity parties, but very few people show up and wear the hat and blow the horn. Secondly... We can curse it. That's allowing to hit, it's allowing what has happened to us to hit the fan. The third choice we have is we can rehearse it, and that is mental torture. The fourth thing we can do is disperse it. Forgiveness is not a way to avoid pain. Forgiveness is a way to heal pain. Is there a lack of joy in your life? If there is, then I have a question for you, and that question is Who do you hold a grudge against? And at first thought, you would say to yourself, Oh, I don't hold a grudge against anyone. What are you holding on to, my friend? Don't kid yourself. It will be obvious by the look on your face or the way you interact with people or the superficial way you relate. Something is wrong. Something needs to be dealt with. Number three, forgive the other person whether they ask for it or not. You know, when Jesus was on the cross, there were seven specific things that he said. But the one thing that he says that said that really echoes through eternity is, Father, forgive them. You know, I don't remember anywhere reading, and I didn't remember seeing in the movie The Passion of the Christ, anyone asking Jesus for forgiveness on Mount Calvary. He took the initiative. He offered it. You'll never stop hurting until you forgive, whether the person asks for it or not. You need to release the offenders in your life. I've seen people experience miracles in their life after they have finally let go of the offender that had been in their life. And how often must you do this? Well, the Bible makes it clear, 70 times 7, the Bible's way of saying there is no end. To your forgiveness. If you read the parable of the unmerciful servant in Matthew chapter 18, verses 23 to 35, notice how the parable ends. It ends by saying, This is how your heavenly Father will treat you unless you forgive your offender from your heart. And how will you know that you've released your offender fully? When you think about that person or see that person. And it doesn't hurt deep down inside. When you're able to pray a blessing into that person's life. I know this is true. Because hurt people hurt people. And forgiven people forgive people. Don't let a romantic scenario of forgiveness replace the biblical understanding of forgiveness. Forgiving happens inside the person who forgives. When I forgive you, I'm reminded once again of how incredibly frail and fragile and failed we human beings are. When I forgive you, I give up this fantasy of revenge. I can really feel your pain now. But forgiving is not necessarily reunion when I wrong you, there are two obstacles that I throw up in, the, in, in between of us when I wrong you. First of all, you feel violated, and so you tend to be angry, and you feel hostile or resentful. And if you forgive me, then that obstacle can be dismantled. But secondly, the other obstacle is only removable if I receive your forgiveness Repent and provide restitution if necessary. In November of 1990, the long struggle for equality in South Africa came to a peak at a meeting of black and white spiritual leaders. These people were on both sides of the issue, and they faced two simple questions. Number one, could blacks ever forgive the whites? Number two, could blacks and whites ever truly be united as a family in South Africa? I remember reading a tremendous speech by uh, Archbishop Desmond Tutu, a black church leader from South Africa, entitled, We Forgive You. And here's part of what he said. Forgive? Yes. The victims of injustice and oppression must be ever ready to forgive. But could there be a coming together? Ah, that is another question. You see, it takes one person to forgive. It takes two persons to be reconciled and reunited. I can forgive you even if I don't trust you. But how, I, However, I can be reunited with you only when I come to trust you again. Trust that you will not wrong me again, and that takes time. Reunion is sometimes impossible. Reunion is sometimes harmful. Forgiveness is a journey. And the deeper the wound, the longer the journey will be. Remember, forgivers are not doormats. To forgive a person is not a signal that we are willing to put up with what he does or what he refuses to repent of. When I forgive... I set a prisoner free. And when I forgive, I discover that the prisoner that I set free is me. Finally, do good to those who hurt you. Luke six twenty seven and 28. Love your enemies, Jesus said. In other words, give them what they need, not what they deserve. Do good to those who hate you. This will set you free and will help you change your attitude toward others. Bless those who curse you. Resist the temptation of tit for tat. Speak well of the other person. Speak affirmingly to the other person. And pray for those who mistreat you, Jesus said. I guarantee you, folks, you can't pray for someone and hate them at the same time. So this scripture gives us four positive actions to take, not four defensive reactions to resort to when it comes to forgiveness. When we forgive, we walk in stride with our forgiving God. And only then can we truly walk with Him. To be the church, to be the community that God intended is to be a healthy, not perfect, church. And to be healthy, each of us must refocus our life by putting our heart right with others, reaching out to God, and facing the world with humility and love and forgiveness. What do you say? Deal or no deal. Would you pray with me? And I'd like to pray the most dangerous prayer in the world. And if you're familiar with that prayer, I would welcome you to verbalize it out loud if you would like. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen.